Welcome back to Four Eyes, the podcast series that gives you a clear view into the optometry world across Canada and the U.S. And today we're talking about headaches. So here are your hosts. I'm a Dr. Devon Carr. I'm Dr. Amrit Bilku. Hi, I'm Dr. Ravinder Rindawa. And I'm Dr. Alex Kuhn. So in primary care optometry, headaches are one of the most common complaints we hear about from our patients. And it's one of the most complex symptoms that eye care practitioners have to manage. So in this episode, we wanted to discuss the difference between managing benign headaches and emergency headaches in our patients. So there are many different types of headaches, which experts have classified into two main groups. Primary headaches refer to independent conditions that cause pain in the head, face, or neck. So examples of these include tension headaches, cluster headaches, and migraines. Secondary headaches occur as the result of another medical condition, such as an infection or inflammation, head trauma, or medication overuse. So as eye care professionals, we need to be familiar with the symptoms and decide whether it is a manageable vision-related condition or something that needs to be referred out to another healthcare professional for intervention. So our job as optometrists is to initially find out, is this headache vision-related or is it an emergency? Or is it something else that can be referred to another healthcare professional? So in order to figure this out, our case history should be pretty thorough and it can include things like asking the time of the onset, whether it was sudden or progressive, how long it's lasted, and the frequency. Is it constant or occasional? Where is the headache? So is it frontal, temporal, occipital, or even at the back of the neck? It's really important to ask the patient the quality of the headache because that can tell you a lot too. So is it more of a sharp stabbing pain or is it like a dull throbbing pain or is it like a tingling sensation? Um, And you can always ask the patient the severity of the condition. So to rate it from zero to 10 um, because sometimes they won't look like they're suffering as much as what they're feeling from the headache. Ask if they know of any modifiers of the headache. So does anything typically aggravate your headache, like reading or bright lights? And is there anything that typically gets rid of your headache, like going to sleep, taking naps, or taking any sort of analgesic? For optometrists specifically, you want to find out if there's any association with the headache. So, uh, you know, do you have blurry vision or double vision with the headaches? And are there any systemic symptoms associated with the headache? Like, did you have a cold recently or any flu-like symptoms or any sort of medical condition that could cause headaches? And then you want to definitely check their medication list, ask if there's any history of head trauma, um, and if there's a family history of headaches. So that is a very, very thorough case history for sure. But what are some ways we can ask these questions to kids because I feel like asking these questions would be really difficult for children. So um, I remember in I- at ICO, one of my attendings taught me for like talking about location for headaches in kids, actually get them to point out on their head where the headaches are. So they have a visual of that instead of them telling you because they might not always understand. I'm sure even half these questions, they won't even understand. I even ask adults that same question, though. I'm like, show me on your head where it hurts, basically. (laughs) 
That's true. Most adults are just, they have the mental capacity of a child as well. So (laughs) I always, I, it's funny because I actually do that too. I, so do you have the headache? Are they frontal headaches? Are they temporal headaches? Or are they the back of the neck? It's like doing like a Macarena almost. Like, (laughs) oh yeah, you could think of it as like the Macarena dance. That's true. Any other tips from you guys? I don't know. Uh, one of my attendings told me that if you ask a kid, do you have, do you get headaches? They're likely to say yes. Yeah, that's true too. So you've got to be very careful of how you ask them. Sometimes I ask them if their head feels heavy or if their eyes feel heavy after, you know, after school and things like that, um, which they tend yeah. to respond to, which is actually what uh, we're going into next. So how would you know if the headache is possibly more vision related so vision related headaches tend to affect two main patient populations of ours one which we just talked about school age children in association with schoolwork, and then pre-presbyopic adults usually in association with prolonged office work or computer work which is probably going to show up a lot now too um, you know during this pandemic which you all might have noticed if you were still taking, you know, urgent calls because a lot of people are now experiencing headaches and visual fatigue because they've been on the computer much longer. And so you want to pick out associated symptoms that could be related to a vision headache like blurry vision, um, eye strain, more so frontal or temporal headaches compared to in the back of the neck, and also if the headaches are towards the end of the day. Um, I learned at ICO from one of my attendings that usually when a patient complains of a headache right in the morning when they're waking up, it is possibly due to something else that's not eye related because while you're sleeping, you're not really using your eyes for any reason. So if you have headaches more towards the end of the day, that could likely lead to a more vision related issue. Vision related headaches are usually more of a dull aching sensation Uh, rather than sharp pain and headaches are usually induced by you know some sort of binocular vision disorder so if you find any you know sort of bv dysfunction during the exam you can possibly relate the headache to that you don't want to forget about headaches that may be caused by acute angle closure these are ipsilateral headaches that are that can also involve brow aches that occurs in a very acute setting. So patients also come in with a really hot eye, like ciliary injection, corneal edema, and also possibly a mid-dilated pupil. So you guys know what to do at that point, right? Whip out that gonio. (laughs) 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 Or what does Chandler do? Whoopa. (laughs) Oh, Chandler? Chandler from Friends. Yeah. He doesn't do the he does Whoop-a. the yeah. <laughs> Another important aspect is knowing the difference between a tension headache and a migraine. So a migraine is an intense pulsating or throbbing pain in one area of the head that can last a, up to three days. Some of the symptoms a patient can have include nausea, vomiting, sensitivity to light and sound. Migraines have a strong genetic component. Yeah, those family history questions are super important. I think when headaches. Or migraines come around. Right. Especially if your mom had them. That's a big thing. Didn't they all when they had us? Yeah. Yeah, my my mom definitely had it. I know. All moms are probably like, what do you mean when did this start? It started when I had you. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. (laughs) 
So there are actually four phases of a classic migraine. They include the prodrome, the visual aura, the headache portion, and then the postrome. Basically, some of the um, symptoms with each phase. The prodrome, you can be fatigued, have mood changes, some uh, muscle stiffness. The visual aura usually happens before the headache. I've heard of it explained to be looking like a prism or a kaleidoscope or looks like zigzags, and then they get bigger and bigger. Kind of Each person can have their own basically different view of what the visual aura is. Then you have the headache portion of the migraine, and that usually has the intense pain. Um, it's the most intense part of the whole phase, basically. And then the postrome, which is the end of the headache, and it actually can make you feel sort of like a hangover. And I feel like since I've been back practicing in Alaska, I've had more patients that have just the ocular migraine or yeah, the ocular migraine without the headache than I did down in Chicago. Oh, yeah, which I thought was kind of interesting. Um, so some of the triggers can include exhaustion, muscle tension, sensory overload. Stress is a big trigger for this as well. Actually, different kinds of food, if mm-hmm. you eat them, can trigger it as well. Yeah. It's actually really common in, like, yeah, Amrit, your headaches get really bad too. I get pretty bad headaches. I can, I remember each time I've gotten a migraine. I've gotten a migraine probably like only three or four times in my life. But yeah, those were the ones where I threw up. I had to be in like complete darkness. I couldn't have any light on and I couldn't fall asleep because literally my head was in so much pain. So I just took Advil's and after throwing up, just trying to sleep. But like headaches, headaches get pretty bad too, but they're different. They're more like just this dull ache that doesn't go away. Mm-hmm. And the migraine like, is like a sharp knife stabbing pain. Yeah. See, this is like, this would be good for someone like me to know because I, the worst headache I've ever experienced is like a dull ache from watching too much TV. When I get patients like this, I it's harder for me to empathize with mm-hmm. them because I'm like, I don't really understand what you're experiencing and these people are like missing work throwing up and like experiencing auras where they can't even drive so I think it's good to Mm -hmm. know these experiences firsthand for people that um haven't experienced them like myself so that's good good to know Another type of migraines called retinal or ocular migraines. So these are migraines with auras or people can just experience just the aura part with no headaches. Uh, the triggers tend to be the same as, as any other type of migraine, but the retinal migraine is more likely to be just unilateral and they have a more intense visual sensory changes. So these uh, visual disturbances that these kind of patients get are more of like flashes of light, the zigzag patterns of the geometric shape. So as Alex said earlier, kind of looking through those uh, kaleidoscopes, um, people can experience tunnel vision, feel loss, blind spots. They also complain about flickering lights as well. Um, Another common symptom is something called visual snow. It's kind of like looking through a TV static. TV static or very unpixelated TV or very poor pixelated TV. Yeah, when I think of like visual snow, I'm thinking of like a snow globe. So it's like TV static or like or it can look like um, snow too, actually. Yeah. The common like way that patients will describe it is like it looks like TV static all over my vision, but it's happening all day, all the time. Mm. 
And um, I had a patient that was complaining of TV static. She was like a young teenager at the Burbank uh, clinic that I did my externship at. She was complaining of it for three years in her like paper charts that we had. I, I don't think the optometrist that I was working for knew a lot about it. Um, because we just kind of said, you know, your eyes look healthy. Oh. Maybe it'll go away. And I didn't know what visual snow was at the time. And so I just mentioned, you know, maybe you can get an ERG. Like maybe this is like a retinal dystrophy kind of a thing that's going on. But now that I've learned about visual snow, I thought back to her and I was like, the poor girl, like people just need to tell her it's okay. Like it's just, you know, yeah, it's nothing bad. It's just happening. But no one was able to tell her that um other visual disturbances that a patient might also get is either complete loss of vision in one eye so remember when a patient complains of this you want to rule out any um any ocular disease so remember that ocular migraine is a diagnosis of exclusion after you have ruled out all other causes of visual disturbances Ocular or retinal migraines can occur at any age, but the majority of the initial cases often begin in the second decade of life. I would really highlight that ocular or the auras happen, they start to happen when you're young. If you get them, I remember, I don't know, Alex, if you remember this from our rotation, but (laughs) Dr. Kelman was like, if an aura is experienced by an individual in their 50s, that's not like a migraine aura. It's like likely something else. Right. If it's their first one. If they have a history of it, then it's different. But if it's then their it's first, one, first then it's one, a big then deal. It's likely something like vascular or disease or whatever. Optometrists do have a limited role in treating migraines. Prescribing medications for these patients may be out of our jurisdiction. Though medications are the first resort for treatment, only about half of the migraine patients have had luck with this due to the meds not really helping fully with the pain because of their negative side effects. Thus, migraines are still insufficiently treated. Common medication types that are prescribed for the acute treatment of migraines can include triptans, NSAIDs, steroids, um, antiemetics for vomiting and nausea. If the previous treatment methods um, haven't really worked for these patients and they're sitting in our chair, what other general things can we consider recommending um, as optometrists? So the most important and the most simple one is definitely the 20-20-20 rule, right? So take a break. Every time you're doing your work, look far away and relax your eyes. Um, Some studies have shown that the rose-tinted Um, FL41 glasses are they call them migraine glasses because they significantly decrease the number of migraine days for sufferers who are triggered by harsh or fluorescent lighting and reducing the exposure of blue light at night can help regulate your sleeping patterns again because we know that um, sleep disruption can cause migraines as well So you can tell your patients, like we mentioned in our blue light filter episode, to use the night mode that comes on their phones or their computers or to purchase any blue light um, filters for their screens. A big one is staying hydrated. I, no matter how many patients come to my office complaining of headaches, the first thing I always ask is, what are you eating and how much water are you drinking? Um, Because I personally get headaches, especially if I don't drink enough water or if I have a different eating schedule 
You can encourage your patients to use apps or reminders when to drink water. And those apps can tell them, you know, how much water intake they need, especially because it's going to be different for children and adults or males versus females. And if you're not really going to be drinking water every day, just have um, a high concentration of fruits and vegetables that have high water content in your diet as well. I think what Alex already mentioned, so know what your triggers are. Sometimes you can ask these patients if they know specifically what triggers their headaches. Just like Rav saying that wine triggers her headaches now, you're going to you're gonna tell your patient to stay away from those triggers. Doesn't stop Rav, As though. much as possible. So Rav, <laughs> stop drinking your wine. Stick to your gin and tonics, okay? Just stick to that instead. Recommending healthy nutrition is super important. So there was actually a podcast by the New York Eye Doc who spoke with an integrative neuro-ophthalmologist, Dr. Ronnie Banik, um, and she ha- also has education in functional medicine. So that whole episode talked about how eating a healthy diet plays a huge role in headache management. And Dr. Bonick recommended, you know, telling your patients to cut out high levels of sugar because swings in your blood sugar can trigger migraines, red wine, processed meats, fermented cheese, and caffeine. Those are huge ones in people's diets that can cause migraines. A lot of these are easier said than done. I feel like if you told me you need to cut out sugar and cheese, I'd be like, well, bye. Like, I'll just. I don't think I've ever gone a day at ICO where Deepon has not eaten like a block of cheese or shredded cheese. (laughs) But like I get but you're right, right? Like it's easier said than done. But I think as as the doctor recommending these to your patients, that's that's all you can do, right? You you just have to recommend it to them. You have to tell them why it's important, and it's always up to the patient to listen and try to do it themselves, right? So, as as long as you recommend it, then I feel like you're doing the best that you can to you know encourage them to live a healthy lifestyle. Mm-hmm. So another recommendation is adding yoga to your daily routine for migraine relief. Like we mentioned, one of the most consistent triggers for migraine is stress. And um, authors at the All India Institute of Medical Sciences in New Delhi, India, studied the effectiveness of yoga in tandem with medications for people with migraines. After a three-month yoga intervention, the participants who practiced a specific yoga module in addition to taking medications had more success in reducing their migraine intensity, frequency, and the amount of medication that they had to take in comparison to the medication-only group. What you can also recommend to your patient is if they don't know any of their triggers, keep a headache journal or diary um, to document their episodes and symptoms and see when it happens so they can catch those triggers. I think this is a big one to recommend for patients that are experiencing constant headaches or migraines. It is it is actually really helpful. Yeah, because they'll see like a pattern. Yeah. yeah. I now recommend to like open a note in their phone because th- most people have their phone with them all the that time. That is also true. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Instead yeah. of the journal. Yeah. Like write it down on your phone on the calendar, like what day it is and then just write it down and see mm-hmm. when it happens. Yeah. So another important aspect of headaches is knowing when it requires an emergency referral to either a hospital setting, primary care provider, or even a neurologist. And the following are some red flags that may indicate an emergency referral, such as a sudden severe onset with no specific association for the headache, 
a change in their regular headache pattern or intensity, if they have any associated symptoms with the headache, including a fever, rash, systemic illness, or cancer, and if they're experiencing any neurological signs such as motor weakness um, in the limbs, difficulty talking or slurred speech, difficulty concentrating, any numbness or tingling, or loss of balance. Okay, so um, we could get a little bit more into the specifics and um, and talk about headaches of a cerebrovascular origin. So these tend to fall in the sudden and intense headache category. So this includes aneurysmal subarachnoid hemorrhages, cervical artery dissection, and pituitary apoplexy. So with a subarachnoid hemorrhage, um, the headache is often associated with a sudden onset of um, pupil involving cranial nerve 3 palsy. Remember that any pupil involving cranial nerve 3 palsy is a true emergency that requires prompt referral for imaging until proven otherwise. Actually, so I think the more... um a more updated recommendation for any cranial nerve 3 palsy is that even if the pupil is not involved um, and or if it's a partial cranial nerve 3 palsy, some optometrists are recommending to send for imaging anyways because there have been a few studies recently that have shown even a small percentage of people who do not have pupil involving cranial nerve 3 palsies still have the aneurysm present. So even if they don't show signs in the pupil, consider sending for imaging. And then for the cervical artery dissection, those headaches are more associated with signs of Horner syndrome. So more like meiosis, ptosis, and anhydrosis. And retinal ischemia, so the transient monocular visual loss, which support clues of the internal carotid artery dissection. Another uh, cerebrovascular origin that can cause headache is um, called pituitary apoplexy. So this is caused by either death of the tissue, uh, known as infarction, or sudden hemorrhage to the pituitary gland. So this often in, um, starts off as a pituitary adenoma, which is more of a slow-growing thing, but a pituitary apoplexy is more just sudden and requires immediate attention. So a pituitary um, apoplexy is sudden, severe, like thunderclap headache um, that's often associated with the reduction in the visual acuity and the field. Um, some people might complain of diplopia, which is caused by the compression of the cranial nerves that are adjacent to the gland. Visual field testing will show the classic bitemporal uh, defect due to the compression of the optic chiasm. I actually had a patient who actually had this. So she came in, had the classic um, sudden onset of headaches, um, and then the optometrist was like, oh, let me just do a visual field. And they had, she had the bitemporal hemianopsia. Oh. And yeah, we sent her right away. And the doctor was like, we're so happy you guys caught it so fast because this is something that requires immediate attention. Um, because it was due to mm -hmm. bleeding, right? Um, due to a hemorrhage. What made the doctor want to do the visual field aside from just sudden onset headache? What, like, did she complain of diplopia or vision loss? So she didn't complain about constriction of vision. She just said her vision is off. Mm, okay, okay. I think with any patient that experiences 
visual aura for the first time or has sudden changes in vision or has severe headaches, I would always do a visual field Mm -hmm. on them, dilate them, like do a thorough exam just to rule everything out and then decide like, okay, you need to be um, sent to your primary care physician right away or the ER, et cetera, right? Um, As we all know, there's a huge opioid crisis in North America right now. So even though this is really rare for optometrists to kind of deal with because we don't necessarily have the approval to prescribe narcotics, but it is something that we should watch out for because there are a lot of patients out there that um, could be seeking drugs like narcotics just to alleviate the pain that they say they have. So they can, these patients can intentionally fake or exaggerate their headaches with the hope of getting some sort of prescription to help their problem. It's just important for eye care practitioners to be mindful of these kind of patients and just treat them in a considerate and a non-judgmental way. Um, But the other thing is that if these patients go to their primary care physician and you know, their primary care physician reads your notes on what you're saying, that might also add fuel to the fire where they're like, oh, well, the optometrist is also saying that they potentially have a migraine going on. So let me just prescribe these medications. So yeah, just something that all healthcare practitioners should be aware of. And you know, that uh, Rav, that reminds me of the Grey's Anatomy episode where there's a patient that comes into the ER who's complaining of headaches and he wants narcotics and then Derek Shepard like gives it to them but then the intern was really mad because he's like was it Alex Alex at the in the show is like you know he's a druggie he just wants drugs and Derek Shepard's like it's our duty to treat everyone that with a headache you can't judge people yeah it's true can't judge but that's like the perfect way you have to like even though people even though patients do present with a headache you do have to do something about it but just be careful of the way you go about it so headaches can also come with the risk of irreversible vision loss if the diagnosis is missed or timely management is delayed and this can include um, gca so your giant cell arteritis your idiopathic intracranial hypertension or even tumor of the brain so let's talk a little bit about gca so the typical symptoms include the bitemporal headache with tenderness to the touch on um, on the scalp uh, patient may also have pain in the jaw when chewing so your jaw claudication um, but uh, visual disturbances is the main reason that brings these affected individuals to the eye clinic so remember it should always be a part of your differential diagnosis if a patient is older than 55 uh, with a new onset of headaches and is complaining of any visual disturbances Um, idiopathic intracranial hypertension is a diagnosis of exclusion so which means that brain scans must be performed to rule out any true tumor Um, then lumbar puncture is required to confirm the diagnosis sometimes it can be misdiagnosed as chronic migraine with aura if careful optic nerve head analysis is not done Um, So another thing is brain tumor. Um, So some of the red flags that are associated with the space-occupying lesions are any new onset or different types of headaches, um, often accompanied by seizures. Uh, Patient may complain of difficulty of speaking or weakness in the limbs, kind of any headaches that awakens the patient from sleep or a headache that is worse in the mornings. So basically, yeah, basically like um, when we mentioned that a headache that would require like more of an immediate referral would be if there are any neurological 
symptoms associated with that. And then we were really thorough about knowing how to manage and how to diagnose headaches that are more vision related and that optometrists and ophthalmologists can manage. But who else can we refer to when it's out of our scope or we need further evaluation? We first off need to know that headaches need comprehensive care from multiple providers. So you want to keep your lines of communication open with other members of the patient's medical team, like definitely their primary care provider, um, their nutritionist and dietitian, which we mentioned earlier. What we forgot to mention in the beginning was that usually when patients complain of frontal headaches, it could also be associated with sinus congestion. And oftentimes these patients will already know that they have you know, sinus issues. So maybe you want to refer them to an ENT specialist. Um, physiatrists and then neurologists are other doctors that you can refer to and I wanted to also mention physical therapists because I did not think about this before so when I was listening to one of the podcast episodes on dynamic duo they were interviewing Dr. Denise Schneider a physical therapist and um, she was mentioning that it's best to refer patients who have more um, neck pain headaches to a physical therapist where they can, um, you know, evaluate the patient's trigger points. They can test for the patient's posture, neck issues, spinal issues, joint mobility, and range of motion. So there are a lot of different professionals that you can refer to based on the particular complaints of the headache. Some other resources for health professionals and patients can be found at the National Headache Foundation and the American Headache Society, and the Canadian Headache Society. Um, So those websites have information for you and your patients to go over. That's all about headaches. Thanks everyone for listening to Four Eyes. Make sure to subscribe and follow us on Instagram at Four Eyes Optum. Look out for new episodes every Wednesday. Until then, stay tuned.